Studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. And he comes, fakes, he scores! Mark Stone, shorthanded goal, took the goal off its pegs, lost his stick, but more room to pump his fist. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Vegas Golden Knights and St. Louis Blues here at T-Mobile Arena. We're getting set uh, for it. Uh, hour number two of the VGK Insider Show will be followed by the Vegas Golden Knights pregame show with Ryan Wallace and Dan Duba and Gary Lawless have the call. As the Golden Knights aim to improve to two wins against one loss this season, returning to action after a five-day break. It's funny. You, you just hear the, the players and the coach getting ready. The, there's that fine line. Two days, three days would be okay for days between games anything more than that and everybody starts to get a little itchy including ryan wallace and uh, myself chris chapman's always kind of uh, twitchy in that way uh, as we look forward to this one uh, the st louis blues roll in tonight uh, they will not have pavel buchnevich in the lineup he is suspended two games because of a headbutting incident the other night against lawson kraus and the arizona coyotes in a lopsided victory it was cl- actually a lot closer than it appeared uh, on the final scoreboard. Uh, but uh, you will get to uh, watch or listen to James Neal uh, play as he draws in on the second line for the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, James Neal, David Perron, that'll be interesting to see uh, both guys on the same team coming into Vegas. Uh, you know, this is going to be an interesting game for me in a number of different levels. One, because you've got a team in St. Louis that right now is scoring goals at will. And for the Golden Knights, you're going up against a goaltender in Jordan Bennington, who, though you've been able to, to find wins against this goalie, it's been through a high volume of shots. Like, the Golden Knights have peppered Jordan Bennington throughout the games that they've, that they've played against him, and he's, he's held up remarkably well until you get to about 37, 38, 42 shots on goal. So for the Golden Knights, I'm curious to see with the lack of production from Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty, how they're able to attack Jordan Binnington tonight. The trend in the league so far tells us it's going to be a (laughs) 6-3, 5-2 type of game at T-Mobile Arena. Both coaches are preaching to their players to lock it down and be a lot more consistent and... Uh, take a lot more pride in protecting the puck. We heard that uh, after the game in Los Angeles the other night. You heard Pete DeBoer in hour number one talking about you can't be any rustier than you were against Los Angeles. And uh, in knowing that Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone are going to miss regular season game uh, for the first time at, at the same time uh, ever tonight, that the goals are going to be harder to come by for the, the Vegas Golden Knights. So winning this game in a low-scoring affair and not getting into a, a high-scoring uh, game benefits or should benefit uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. And the other night in Arizona, St. Louis had it put home and put to bed, and they got a little sloppy in the third period, and the coach called a timeout, and Craig Berube was very upset with his team. You know that he wants a better defensive performance tonight from his squad, uh, a more 200-foot game from his squad. So uh, while the all the... Uh, numbers around the league point to a high scoring game 
I don't know whether we get that tonight. This might be the anomaly. Yeah, I, I'm not feeling uh, a high-scoring game here because for the, the reasons you mentioned, the Blues are looking to tighten things up. And for the Golden Knights, I think that's how they have to play. Like, this, is, this has to be a team that doesn't give away scoring opportunities and scoring chances. And, you know, for the Golden Knights, looking to create more offenses, looking to create more offense, looking to jump some plays in the neutral zone and create some rush opportunities – I don't know that we see that too much in this game because you're going to have to lean on your elite defenseman. You're going to have to lean on Robin Leonard to be really good. And in order to give your defense and your goaltender a shot, you got to minimize those mistakes in the neutral zone and not allow the Blues to catch you with some two-on-one, three-on-twos and really, really good quality scoring chances. Well, I know the, the wingers and the centermen tonight for the Vegas Golden Knights are going to have to have their heads on a swivel Yeah, because I'm expecting a more aggressive blue line from Vegas to push the pace yeah. and to try and try and generate that offense where they can. And they've got guys that can do it in uh, Alex Petrangelo and Alec Martinez and Shea Theodore. Shea Theodore spoke about increasing the load that he can carry offensively uh, in the next couple of weeks. But if they're going to push the pace and try to generate extra opportunities, then somebody's got to be there. Now, this is a good team at covering up. Mm-hmm. But with everybody in new spots, uh, it's, it's going to be uh, extra uh, motivating to get themselves in a position where they can back the, those defensemen up. What, what I'm interested in is whether or not that's a gradual situation, whether or not you get more, offense in, uh, more offensive, offensive chances from Theodore and Petrangelo gradually and you just allow this team to kind of settle in in these first couple of games i'm not sure that there's a right answer there yeah but i I do think that you're you're going to be funneling a lot of your chances through the through the blue line that's just where it's going to have to come from for the golden knights but in terms of of making sure your coverage is good and not allowing too much on the other side you're gonna have to play it a little conservative especially in your own zone tnt dynamite there it is good roll on that one how many more times we hear that uh maybe one more time maybe one more time as they go maybe. through the rehearsal that's one of the great things about uh being in here i, w- I was on sirius xm uh, earlier this week and they yeah. talked about uh the atmosphere at t-mobile arena mm-hmm. and how we get to uh, hang out at section 117 on the tv side i said well we're radio four to six we're over in section 104 and we get to see everything before it happens yeah and it's one of the great luxuries and benefits of this job uh, on game days for the VGK Insider Show is to witness not only the rehearsals uh, from uh, all the performers, but also the show that we see on the ice, the mm-hmm. opening, the videos. And uh, and we know what's coming. We don't say it. We can't say anything. No. But we get that little sneak peek. I've already seen it, and um, I'm excited. It's pretty good. Yep, there it's, it is. Uh, it's, it, and it's going to be different than, than opening night. It, you know why? The Kraken aren't playing. Playing the Kraken. Yeah. There it is. I saw a great tweet the other day about Squid Games. <laughs> somebody, somebody beat the Kraken, <laughs> and, they, and they tied it in. I was really disappointed that I hadn't, uh, I hadn't made that, uh, that connection. Uh, we have the Vegas Golden Knights against the St. Louis Blues. Dancing in action tonight at T-Mobile Arena. We have two tickets uh, for Friday night's game against the Edmonton Oilers to give away at the end of this segment. So continue to listen, and we will give you an opportunity to come to T 
T-Mobile Arena, not TNT Arena, T-Mobile Arena, on Friday night and watch Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl and company uh, face the Vegas Golden Knights. What kind of situation will the Golden Knights be in on Friday night? Will they be 2-1? and one? Will they be somewhere in the middle or will they be 1-2? and two? Uh, That will be determined. Robin Leonard is going to go in goal tonight. Uh, his third straight start to kick off this season. Uh, he was taken out of the game in Los Angeles. No fault of his own. That was more of a mercy pull. Uh, you've got the blue line in action and then you have the forwards. One area of difference that the St. Louis Blues will notice tonight when they skate against the Vegas Golden Knights will be this is the first time that they played Vegas without Ryan Reeves. Mm-hmm. Now, one part of playing the St. Louis Blues that Reeves always played a very important role was quieting or controlling David Perron. <laughs> yep. It was just a factor. And, and two years ago, it really there was there was a game in this building where it was like okay uncle he's not your buddy anymore David Perron let's deal with this mm-hmm. and Ryan Reeves kind of took it upon himself to play that role and got into the the, the grill of David Perron and and from then on uh, I, I thought they did a pretty good job of uh, controlling the impact that David Perron had maybe not uh, on the scoreboard because he's he's a, a very very good player. But certainly some of the other antics and the, uh, the other uh, plays in and around the game or maybe outside the whistle. Who does that tonight? Because I guarantee you David Perron right now is licking his chops knowing that he doesn't have to deal with 75. Yeah, it's an interesting question for sure. Um, there's a couple of names that I have in my mind, and I don't think that we're looking at, at fisticuffs. I don't think we're looking at no, no, fighting no. majors yeah. or anything like that. But Alex Petrangelo and Alec Martinez are kind of the first two guys that immediately jump out. They are, uh, they play the game hard. Uh, I think Alex Petrangelo would probably love to uh, assert his dominance there over David Perron. Uh, and then, you know, the guy that, that I think is going to kind of fill that role naturally is is Keegan Colasar. Like, he plays on that edge. He plays with a little bit of a bite to his game, and he's not afraid to stick up for his teammates. So if there's an opportunity that presents itself – Colasar will take it, as will Nick Haig. Like I, I think by committee, you've got four or five guys that wouldn't mind jumping in and sending a little message. And you know, the fifth guy, by my estimation, is Jonathan Marcheseau. I think that'd be fun to watch. I think it'd be interesting. Uh, but I, I don't think there's going to be any shortage for the Golden Knights if, if David Perron gets up to his normal antics. It's just natural that without Reeves being in the lineup, that you'll have players play bigger on the other side or try to play bigger. That's going to happen tonight with David Braun. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to push the envelope whether Reeves is here or not, whether he's playing in New York or he's playing at T-Mobile Arena. It's what you do to counter that. Mm-hmm. And when it happens tonight, pay attention to see the follow-up, whether it's at that stoppage or whether it's the next time he's on the ice. And who wants to be out there to try and, and, and silence that part of David Perron's game? He's a really excellent hockey player, mm-hmm. but he's a pain in the butt to play against. And he, it seems, feels like he is one of those athletes that gets better the more distractions around. Some players, he, they get off their game. Yeah. He, he, it's the other part of it. That's, that's going to be one of those in the game, in the game type of scenarios for this one 
No, Perron, he thrives on it. Yeah. Right? He thrives on chaos, creating the chaos. And, and you know, in, in a way, it, it raises his level and it has frustrated opponents for many, many years. And, you know, you look at the body of work Perron has against the Golden Knights in 14 games, five goals, nine points, 12 penalty minutes. Like, this is a player that... Read, read that line again. It's, it's uh, 14 games, five goals, nine points, 12 penalty minutes. Wow, yeah. He just loves playing this team. And, you know, for the Golden Knights, you, you've got to meet him at that level and you've got to frustrate him. Because the more he frustrates you and the more he can tell he's frustrating you, the better he's going to play. Yeah, the more you get that look on his face mm-hmm. and that f- drives you crazier. Uh, <laughs> and they start smiling and it, it, that's part of his game. Now, they also need him in the lineup. He can't be running around taking double minors or, or offsetting penalties uh, for the St. Louis Blues because he does play that uh, that top line role mm-hmm. uh, with the Blues. But if if he can get you under your skin and you're taking penalties because you're frustrated with him, uh, that's a very different story. And we will, uh, we'll watch. he's also very effective at the power play. And he can't be taking, that's that's what's worse is if you take a penalty because you're frustrated with another player and then they go out and they score on that power play, the coach is seething and you're just grinding your, your teeth uh, in this one. Alex Petrangelo, the former St. Louis Blues, he said that... Uh, that it's over. That, that year number two with the Vegas Golden Knights, there's no, oh, I'm playing my former team, uh, the, the warm and fuzzies. Mm-hmm. It's it's gone. But once once he did it once and, and did the whole return to St. Louis and went through that scenario, it's over. And uh, and I thought that was a really interesting comment today uh, with uh, with Alex Petrangelo, how much you can you can turn the page in a short period of time. He said he's got players, friends all over the league, and they're no different. He may have more of them or better friendships because he played so long with them, but the uh, the idea that uh, that he's been able to flip the switch is good. So that's one storyline that we don't have to talk about as much. But as far as Petrangelo and his game is concerned, one and one to start. One game they gave a bunch of goals. The other game they had a great lead and, and found a way to win the game. He was asked today about trends and how much you pay attention to early season trends within both the individual game and the team game. I think there's trends through whether it's training camp or the first couple games. I mean, two games is probably a little too soon to start saying, okay, let's hit the panic button on whatever issue. But I think when you're five, ten games in, you start seeing trends of things they need to fix or... Um, in your own game, things that you think need to get better. So probably too early right now, but I think within the next couple of weeks, we'll kind of see where we're at with a lot of things, not just players, but systems. Five to ten games. Well, five games puts you at uh, Sunday mm-hmm. after the New York Islanders game. A couple of weeks uh, puts you at uh, Sunday <laughs> with, the, with the New York Islanders. <laughs> so everything kind of comes to a head where you get through these next three games for the Vegas Golden Knights, you can start to, in the opinion of Alex Petrangelo, mm-hmm. to be able to make some kind of assessment in different areas of the game. Yeah, I, and, you know, I, I think that that's kind of when you start to, to take a look at just some of the things overall. And, you know, for the Golden Knights, I think getting that break and allowing themselves to, to go into these next three games, 
maybe you look at the first two games and you say, okay, it's too small of a, ta- of a sample size, but there are certainly things here we don't like and can fix now so that they don't become a trend five, ten games in. And, you know, I, I, I think we, as we've been talking here, the – the effort in this game is going to be top-notch from the Golden Knights. Just coming off of that game in L.A., coming off of, of, of you know, really that week as a whole, I think the Golden Knights come into this game as, as one of those opportunities to prove something to somebody that this is a team that, that is going to find that identity of just going out and working harder than everybody else. So I, I think it's an interesting one, though I feel like you have to almost evaluate it with Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty, and now this is kind of a new subset of games because it's a different team on the ice. They'll get some players back and will carry a Nick Waugh, the debut of Brett Howden, in the lineup tonight for the goal of the Knights. That's a positive. But the offensive load is going to be spread out without Pacioretty and Mark Stone, who carry so much uh, as the wingers on that top line. The fear in in every coach's mind will be players trying to push the envelope and take chances where they wouldn't normally take chances to try and fill up that space, that void, when you're missing your top two performers. It's natural to look to the misfits. William Carlson, Riley Smith, and Jonathan Marchessault. I I don't think that's going to happen. They have to take care of their own game. And their game needs to be better than it was last week. And I think that the, the pressure on those three players to carry more of the load is going to be a good thing. On the back end, where they have so much uh, offensive potential, I think it, it, it's incumbent to, to walk that fine line. I think if chances are there, Alex Petrangelo is going to try and make a play. Yeah. And, and Alec Martinez is going to try and make a play. Shea Theodore has spoken about trying to make a play. But if it's not there, don't try and, and force it. And uh, that's what Alex Petrangelo was asked today about where does the offense come from without Pacioretty and without Stone? I wouldn't say it's necessarily doing more. I just, because then you get yourself into trouble. I think it's more of an emphasis on the opportunities that you do get. It's even more important now to capitalize on those, whether it's, you know, scoring chances or it's power plays. I mean, these are important things for us. I mean, you're, you're, you got two guys out that had a point per game last year, well, more than a point per game. So if you do get opportunities, especially in the special teams, it's going to be a big emphasis on us to create momentum or try and score. Yeah, and that kind of goes with what I was saying. Is like, you know, you, sometimes those guys can just score out of thin air and they just create stuff, you know, and that's why they're elite players. But when uh, we're in this situation now, we do get an opportunity, we're going to have to capitalize on it, you know, and... I don't think anyone's panicking in our room. I mean, they're important to our team, but we got depth here. There's a reason why we have depth. These are the situations that you need everything. And we've had some good discussion the last, you know, four or five days of how, what we're going to need to do, how we need to play. And uh, I think we're ready. I mean, it's obviously unfortunate not having those guys, but I think, uh, I think we're ready. I heard a lot in that comment. Mm-hmm. You know what I didn't hear? Cliché. Yeah. Chapman left that availability today with his jaw on the floor. Really? Just in, in awe yeah. of listening to Alex Petrangelo in person. Mm-hmm. We've done a lot of Zooms, right? Right, yeah. Chris? Let's bring in Chris. Yeah, I, I think when now that we have the opportunity to kind of see him face-to-face and talk to him, 
A, you can see why he was the captain for a team that lifted the Stanley Cup because he is, he just exudes leadership. Like you hear him and you hear the things he says. And I just said, like, like I, I said to Darren, I said, you can see, like, this guy's infectious. Like, just listening to him talk, everything he says is, is, is well put. It's eloquent. There's no, like you said, no cliches. It's, Look, not we got, try, he's not trying to put on a show with his answers. Yeah, just, we, we've got a job really to do. Really well thought out. Yeah, he's he's a like, I, I kind of feel funny saying it, but he seems like a really cool guy. Yeah, they say that a lot about us too. No, I don't think they say that about any yeah. of us. Definitely you, Chapman. No, no, nobody's saying that about me. Um, my my kid doesn't even say that about me anymore. No, don't advertise that, buddy. <laughs> yeah. um, you know that 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 answer is interesting for a number of of different reasons, and for me, number one, power play. Petrangelo right. mentions bingo, the power play. Bingo, bingo, bingo. And when you are are looking to fill in the offensive void from Pacioretty and Stone, you're gonna need to turn power play opportunities into power play goals. That's just a fact of life. The Golden Knights will need to be better, and they're going to need to convert when they have the man advantage in certain situations. What do the power plays look like tonight without Pacioretty and Stone? And the return of Brett Houghton, Nick Waugh, and Will Carrier. That will be fascinating to see how the coaching staff draws it up. Do you go with three and two, three forwards, two defensemen on both units uh, and, and give Nick Hag uh, an opportunity on the power play? Right, right now, your, your three defensemen that will be divided between the two groups are Shea Theodore, Petrangelo, and Martinez. Yep. Do, do you add one more? Do you go with uh, three and two, or do you do you stay with with a four and one? And who's that? Who's that one? Who, who the, the forwards? I would. Does Nick Waugh get a look on the power play in in coming back? Uh, Peyton Krebs, Nolan Patrick. To go, do you say? And I'll throw I'm throwing a lot out here with the power play. Do the misfits play as a line on the power play with two defensemen? Which which wouldn't be the the craziest idea because no. of continuity. Yeah, I, I I like the idea of the misfits playing with two defensemen. So like if you had the misfits with Petrangelo and Martinez, I I don't see that as a as a, an issue whatsoever. I think that can be a very productive unit uh, in the preseason. Peyton Krebs on the power play did some really good things. Now, are you going to put him in that situation right now? I think you have an opportunity. You might as well, right? Like, you might as well see if you've got something there. Uh, and then for me, I would love to see Nick Hague get some time on the power play. I really would. I don't know if it's going to be a regular thing, but if you have 30 seconds, 25 seconds at the end of a power play to get Nick Hague out there and with the confidence he's got in his shot right now, you never know that might turn into something. So I'd like to see Krebs and Haig get looks on the power play for the Golden Knights. So if we go misfits for one unit with mm-hmm. two defensemen, yep. your second unit for sure has one defenseman. Yep. And Stadanov's on there. Patrick. Patrick's out there. Krebs. Krebs. And then who's your – what do you do with the other – position yeah it, it depends Forward defenseman i mean like i'm gonna go defenseman because i like Hague. i like his shot and, and i think that you can build on that there you know like that that on the on the power play is a weapon and it's one the golden knights have not really utilized in terms of his skill set and what he brings to the table 
I don't mind it. Yeah. I, I, I really. Or do you put Chandler Stevenson, who, who yeah. generally does get some power play time? It's it's an interesting concept. It's an interesting idea. I, I think the the beauty of it is that you don't have to be stagnant with it. No, right? Like if you're Pete DeBoer and you don't like the looks you're getting, give guys opportunities because you might stumble upon a combination that works. You might get a, a grouping of guys that move the puck well, that work really well together. And I'm all like I said, the the one thing I want to see above anything else in the power play is utilizing Nick Hagen a shot. Power play time is uh, utilized at the start of practices. And then you might do some uh, five-on-four, like full five-on-four drills on it at the end, like we, did, we saw yesterday, mm-hmm. where they, they worked on both, both sides, the penalty kill and the, uh, the power play at the same time. But you, you work generally, uh, the players go out early before practice, and the coaches run through the power play drills. And you've got your 10 players on the power play. I don't know for sure because uh, I, I didn't w- witness what they did yesterday mm-hmm. on the power play. They were over on rink B. I bet you there was more than 10 players over there working on that. I think so. Going Probably. through because of uh, of the different options and how you're missing two players and, and making sure that everybody's up to speed and, and get some reps uh, on the man advantage. So there's, there's a competition as much uh, as we've ever seen mm-hmm. with the Golden Knights when it comes to power play time right now and the potential for mid-game changes like you talk about with uh, putting a hag in for if they go with four forwards uh, on, on that unit uh, with, the, with the second, uh, second unit. That, that, that'll be fascinating to watch. It's a reward system. You get to reward players on the power play, and you can reward them if they show you on that man advantage they're producing. So I like the I like the, the flexibility it gives the Golden Knights moving forward. How much pressure do you think is on Robin Leonard tonight in a one-game, one-off? Yeah, I think there's a lot. Because so you, you look at this game, understanding what's out of the lineup for the Golden Knights, you need Robin Leonard to be very, very good. You do. You need him to be uh, capable in this game of stealing it for you. Like, given how prolific early on the offense has been for St. Louis, there's a ton of pressure on him tonight. This three-game stretch with a day off between games is set up for Robin Leonard to run the table for the first five games mm-hmm. and get those starts. They don't play a back-to-back until the middle of next week when they're in Colorado and then Dallas. There's no reason why Robin Leonard can't play these next three games if if you choose to. The, the only reason we wouldn't is you, you just want to get a start mm-hmm. for Laurent Brassois. And these three games are going to be against high offensive players. Friday night, uh, the Edmonton is serving as an example of that. You want to get a, a win and get some momentum? It starts tonight. And then take your chances, uh, hopefully, with some confidence Friday night. And if you want to go to Friday night's game, give us a call right now. What's the number, Wallace? I'm going to go with 13. Caller okay. number 13. All right. Uh, give us a shout. Uh, 702-870-1234. 702-870-1234. Call now. And if you are the right caller... You, what, what are you shaking your head at? What was that number? Oh, did I, did I screw up the number? Yeah. It's 
No, it, I'll, I'll do the number. 702-876-1340. 876. I said 870. 876. You didn't even get 1340 right. No? You said 1234. Oh, you know why? Because that's yeah. Salmon Ash. I know. That's Salmon Ash tomorrow. That's tomorrow, buddy. Yeah. Okay. That's why you should do these giveaways. 702-876-1340 is the number. Caller to the near wing. Big shot and he scores! It's time for one-timers. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day. And it's a tie hockey game. On the BGK Insider Show. Congratulations to Sarah going to Friday night's game against the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, T-Mobile Arena, Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, middle game of a three-game homestand. Uh, she called in at 702-876-1340. There it is. Yes! Well done. And, uh, and won those two tickets. So a lot of numbers a lot. swirling. I got a yeah. lot of stuff going on in my head. Yeah. I, I don't know whether you guys uh, saw it last night, but the Winnipeg Jets, who had not won in their first two games, were on course for a victory against the Minnesota Wild. Up 5-4 and scored an empty net goal, sealed it. 6-4, book it, go home, get ready. Nope. I've, I've, I've never seen this before. But the Minnesota Wild challenged that the Jets were offside in scoring the empty net goal. Yep. It took back the goal. It was a successful challenge. And then the Wild went down, scored, tied it, and then won it in overtime. Yeah, that's awesome. I, bizarre. Yep. Yep. Three on one to an empty net, and somehow the Jets went offside. I mean that's just that's just inexcusable and well within the the in, you know the, the I'm, I'm offended by it integrity of the rule of, yeah. of challenging offside plays like let's take an empty netter off the board it's fantastic I that, love it it's one of the toughest losses that you could imagine <laughs> uh, for a National Hockey League team it so I, I I saw that happen then I was watching the Oilers and the Ducks game yeah and the Oilers went down and scored an empty net goal. Ryan Getzlav just happened to be on the ice uh, during that process, and he was playing, uh, he was defending. He puts his arm up because he thinks the Oilers are offside <laughs> on an empty net. They took a look at it. Yeah. Uh, it, it was onside. Like, I've never witnessed uh, an empty net goal be offside before, and we've had two in the last 25 minutes of, of, of watching the games last night. I mean, we've had two headbutts this year, Darren. Like, it, it's all weird. Uh, it's one, the spooky season. One really good one. We also had a Superman punch in one of those fights, we too. We did. Uh, Marcus Foligno last night uh, in the Minnesota Wild game. Two nights ago, Calgary's playing Anaheim. Puck is flipped out over the glass. It goes over the Calgary bench yep. and is looks like it's headed towards the seats. Matthew Kachuk stands up and bats at the puck. Mm-hmm. Instinctual reaction. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I've never seen it before. Yeah, it's kind of a funny play. It's a goofy play. Uh, you, you giggle at it and ah, look what Matthew Kachuk did. Except it's illegal. Yeah, because of the uh, potential of a penalty. Mm-hmm. And so, be, because he touched the puck. Matthew Kachuk then got a minor penalty mm-hmm. for delay of game. Of, uh, I can't remember the exact ter- terminology or what it fell under. Yeah. But 
So he's sitting there laughing about what he did. Everybody's getting a good chuckle out of it. The referees come over and go, you're gone. Deuce. Well, I mean, in fairness, it was going to be a delay game anyway. You, right? you would expect. Yeah. yeah it, because it, looked, it looked like the puck was going over. Yeah. But there's no guarantee of it. Sure. But, I, I mean, like, I can understand that probably driving Daryl nuts. Daryl Sutter, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it, it was going to be a penalty either way. I think it was a funny and, and gifable moment. So, uh, Matthew Kachuk, keep doing you. It's, it's phenomenal. I love it. I'll take that penalty well, every like, night of the year as, as a player just being engaged in the game. Yeah. And, and to be honest, like, you, you got to try to cheat every now and again. And, and I love the fact that Matthew Kachuk is not above, you know, cheating on the bench trying to find ways no, to you, impact the game it's do fantastic. you think he actually thought it was going out of play or do you think he was just trying to knock one down because the puck went by him and it was it was just a reactionary play i feel like it was reactionary but i, I also feel like maybe he he thought if he can knock it down it doesn't go out of play maybe they won't get a penalty oh i i don't care do more of it just Again. do more of it never witnessed it before uh brady kachuk He's yeah. going to make his debut against the San Jose Sharks tomorrow night. Season debut. So Matthew's uh, brother, Brady, just signed the big uh, contract extension. He will be on the ice for the Ottawa Senators. So off to a nice little start. Yeah. Season. And yeah. Don't, still don't have the number one goalie. No. No. I, I think uh, Murray's getting getting closer. And Matt uh, Brady Kachuk's coming back, and and for the Ottawa Senators, a team that has young talent, and and I think there's a belief they can be competitive. I don't think they're a playoff team, but competitive. Uh, this might be a really interesting week ahead for the Ottawa Senators, and I just hope Brady does something uh, that is more gifable than what Matt did. Spencer Knight of the Florida Panthers won again. That's five straight to start his NHL career during the regular season. Pretty good. Uh, he uh, also plays behind Joe Thornton this year. Yep. Jumbo fined uh-huh. $1,875. $1,875. The maximum allowable under the collective bargaining agreement, but not suspended. So they basically, if, if you're going to get fined the maximum, then you're not going to get suspended. Yeah. So he was right on the edge of getting suspended because he, uh, he slashed uh, Tampa Bay forward Boris Kachuk. Uh, I mean, you say slash, I say spear. Um, I mean, listen, if you're going to suspend Pavel Buchnevich for a headbutt that literally, like, it looks bad optically but didn't do any legitimate damage, and you see the play with Joe Thornton, that's a way more dangerous play in my opinion. I think Thornton should have been suspended. I really because do. Because of where he spe- the yeah. nether region? Yes. Nether region. Yes, this is what, it is. Where I it's a it. dangerous play. It's a dangerous, dirty, bad play. That's why you wear a cup. Okay. Why you wear a helmet, too. And you get headbutt. Like, the, Travis Hamanuk is a, tank, a temporary leave of absence from the Vancouver Canucks, unpaid. Uh, there's a lot out there about Travis Hamanuk, whether yeah. it's about uh, getting vaxxed or his beliefs or uh, living with a family member that's uh, immune-compromised. But right now, uh, he is not with the Vancouver Canucks. That's that's a hole uh, for that team. They 
they really were counting on Travis Hamanek being in the lineup. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's an important player for a team that, you know, I, I think there's there's offense, offensive production and, and a lot to like about their back end, but you need some steady players back there too, and, and that's what Hamanek is to me, and it, it's not ideal for Vancouver, but... Uh, you know, you hope that at some point he comes back and the Vancouver Canucks are, are giving themselves a chance in his absence. Here's the issue for Jim Benning, just from a pure hockey side of it. You can't move Travis Hamanek's contract yeah. because of the situation that he's in and, and not being vaccinated. But you also can't go out and acquire somebody. Yeah. Because what if Hamannuk decides next week that he wants to play? Well, then you're in a super bind sure. with a salary cap. So it, it's really putting the team uh, in, in a delicate spot. We, and we've seen that uh, at times in, in sports where players have made decisions uh, that affect at the last... Dustin Bufflin with the Winnipeg Jets, remember yeah. when he walked oh, yeah. away? Yep. Like they made moves thinking that he was going to be in the lineup or assuming he was going to be in the lineup because he had three or four more years left on his contract. Yeah. But they would have made totally different moves had that happened. And and you're at a position right now where I think the Winnipeg Jets have recouped that. They yep. have finally gotten their defense. I don't want to say where it was before the, the, the stuff with Dustin Bufflin came down, but they've gotten back their somewhat and it's taken them three or four years to get there and then they lost six five last night in overtime well come on we're not gonna we're not gonna kick them while they're down they no. just lost a terrible game on a on a bizarre play. offside empty net and there was goal. goal there was more 40 foot goals in that game from both sides than i've seen in three weeks of the national hockey league play it looked like Rick Vive coming down the wall and slapping it home. The hockey's crazy right now, man. Elliot Friedman reporting the idea of the San Jose Sharks terminating, terminating Evander Kane's contract should now be gone. It's going to be something that they're going to be patient with. Uh, here's Bob Buchner on the status of Evander Kane, who is suspended for 21 games. Uh, Buchner says, we've got a while to deal with this. I think it's going to be a decision that is first made by management and ownership. After that, I think it trickles down. We haven't even brought that up. Um, yeah. Again, I think if the players are steadfast in their belief that on the ice, in the room, they're a better team without Evander Kane, and they're results on the ice and in the room back that up management should take that into account that's that's the only thing i have to say on it chemistry is important it matters you believe in chemistry uh, more and more every day i think it's important that people get along when they go to work i'm not oh. sure chemistry makes you any better of a team wins and losses yeah but chemistry makes it more enjoyable to go to work it would be fascinating to see what San Jose does in these 21 games and then reintroducing Evander Kane. Well, they can't they can't trade him. No, I I mean I hear you. I hear you. I'm just saying like he's, like, a, he's an untradeable asset. Yeah, and and it's not like the San Jose Sharks can afford to buy out the contract either. No. So they're in in a lose-lose situation. That's understandable. But I think if you've got a team and and San Jose has been looking to 
get back into a playoff spot, get back to that relevancy. If your players are able to do that in 21 games without Evander Kane, that's got to give you at least some pause when you're starting to think about that contract. Would you pay him to stay at home? A paid leave of absence? Depends on how the team's doing. If they're playing well and you're winning hockey games? Absolutely. Absolutely. And then if the team starts to slide, would you bring him back? There you that, go. That's a, I, don't, I don't like that look. I mean, if, you, if you're asking me what I'd do, I'd pay him to stay home. Regardless of what the, the, the results are, I'd pay him to stay home. Would you do that with me? I, I mean, I would just stay home. <laughs> uh, Dial in. Keep you at a distance. <laughs> uh, what else do we have today? Uh, Cal Peterson's three-year, $50 million contract. Sounds like it's going to be the basis for Jack Campbell in Toronto. And uh, with the, comes to the Winnipeg, or sorry, the Edmonton Oilers, Mike Smith last, left last night's game with an injury. They ended up beating the Anaheim Ducks. But uh, it was Mikko Koskinen who came in and got the win and relief. Not sure the significance of the injury, seriousness of it, but all signs kind of point to Mikko Koskinen getting the start here on Friday. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, Mike Smith was placed on IR, so he's going to miss some time. Um, and let's go Mikko Koskinen. And oh, Skinner, Stuart Skinner is the, uh, the third guy uh, with the Edmonton Oilers right now. Those are your one-timers for this Wednesday, October 7th on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Findlay Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here's Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Calling it right now. Kit's taking a shot. Peyton Krebs, big night tonight for the VGK up against the St. Louis Blues. Uh, Dan Duva. Gary Lawless with the call. Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace with the pregame show coming up next hour. But right now it's catching up with Chapman. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but uh, well, obviously you know that the Seattle Kraken are are getting ready to play their first home game. However, uh, there's a lot of stuff that's being tweeted out about the first look at the arena. Mm -hmm. And it looks pretty incredible. They've got a a virtual waterfall inside the arena. And of course... uh, Climate pledges is uh, something that that they're looking to do. You know, it's like a, a basically a, a an emphasis on on climate change. But they actually opened the arena. I believe it was on Friday with their first concert. Of course, that seems to be a trend where you'll have a, a band come in or an act come in and, and as they call it, christen the arena. And I would say that they they had someone pretty big to christen. Climate Pledge Arena. It was a band that is synonymous with Seattle. Of course, Dave Grohl was a member of Nirvana. And uh, the Foo Fighters, they recorded their first album in Seattle, and they were the first band to play at Climate Pledge Arena. Uh, They played with a band called Death Cab for Cutie. So uh, pretty cool that Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters were the headliner to open up Climate Pledge Arena on Friday night. How was the ice? I don't know. You have to ask Dave. That's, that's the biggest worry, but uh, you, a new rink. Hey, Chapman, do you know who Death Cab for Cutie is? Yes, yes, I yeah. do. Big fan? I wouldn't say a big fan. I like a couple oh. of their songs. They had a they had a pretty popular song a couple of years ago. What was it? Uh, Soul Meets Body, right? Yeah. I think that was a, one of their songs. But uh, they have yeah. another one, uh, Sounds of Settling. Is that is that the uh, the yeah. name of the song? Yeah. yeah you you, uh, you big Postal Service guy? I know one of their songs, yeah. Do you know the Postal Service and Death Cab are essentially the same, the same guy? Yeah. 
That does not surprise me. It shouldn't. It's they sound alike. <laughs> Climate Pledge Arena. There's no uh, big scoreboard in the middle. No, it's suspended. Is that is that? Uh... No, no, no. There's there's one scoreboard at one end and another scoreboard at the other. There's no scoreboard in the middle. That's interesting. Wow, that's awesome. It's uh, different because of the way the the roof and everything is constructed. Uh, they've they've gone with end zone scoreboards. And I think it, it's located at Seattle Center, so you can. It's in Seattle, yeah. Yeah, well, no, Seattle <laughs> Center is the the spot where they built it. I think it was the old Key Arena. I think they they yes. demolished it and and no, rebuilt. they saved the roof. The roof yeah. is part of a heritage uh, protection. And it's like literally right next to the Space Needle, which is kind of cool. This is your story, and you you find a way to get yourself knee deep in hoopla. What do you? I'm turning your mic off. You're, uh, you're done. Darren says bye, everybody. You don't, you don't have control over that because yeah. I turned mine off too. Oh, yeah, Ryan I don't Wallace do is coming up next at the pregame show of Vegas Golden Knights against the St. Louis Blues. Game three of the season, starting a three-game homestand here at T-Mobile on Fox Sports Las Vegas.